Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Cipher, also known as No Huddle NFL on TikTok and Instagram. That is No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. Also available on Twitter, where I've been posting the most as of late, at No Huddle NFL underscore. That is, again, at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces, with an underscore at the end. We're more than a quarter way through the regular season. I just want to point that out to everyone. Yet, it doesn't seem like there's one specific NFL team that's so much better than the rest. And it doesn't seem like there's one specific team that's that much worse than the rest. I even think the teams in the middle of the league aren't even that much better than the worst teams. And I also don't think that they're that much worse than the best teams. Like, the league is so close right now. All the teams are so damn close. A lot of people have their theories for that. But the reality is we're not going to really find out anytime soon. But it definitely makes for a very interesting NFL season. So far, this has been one of the more interesting seasons that I've seen in a while. Just because of how many teams are really in the mix. There's a lot of teams disappointing. There's a lot of teams overperforming. And you love to see stuff like that because the storylines that come with it are amazing. Amazing. And I love watching these games and finding out new things about every team each week. Like, I'm not going to deny it. I definitely took some L's in terms of uh, preseason or offseason predictions. I definitely took a decent amount. Like, the Colts or a team I was high on, they've proved me wrong. But stuff like Geno Smith breaking out, no one was expecting that. Nobody. All right? Nobody. And when we have out of nowhere, absolutely unpredictable breakouts like that, that's when the league becomes really fun. That's when it becomes really fun. And we find these out week by week, you know, and they get built upon. But around now is when we get to see which random breakout players are really like stars for their team or really big deals or if they're just like one week wonders, right? And we're seeing a couple of guys now who maybe had a slow start to the season, but they're finally starting to pick it back up. And we're seeing a lot of teams start to form their identity. Let's go over our rapid-fire takeaways from this week. Starting with the most boring game of the year so far. The Indianapolis Colts played the Denver Broncos on primetime on Thursday night. And it was absolutely horrible. Horrible game. Terrible. One of the worst games I've seen in a very long time. My takeaway from this is that the Colts, I don't know if they actually do, but they definitely should regret losing Wentz. And I know that Wentz hasn't looked all that good this year. Okay, I understand that. But Matt Ryan sure as hell isn't the answer. I'll tell you that. With Wentz, the Colts' offense was ranked ninth in scoring. Ninth. Right now, they're ranked 
32nd. 32nd. And I know that that's not all, oh, look how good Carson Wentz is. I know that. But we found out this year so far that the Colts are a team that needs a quarterback that can make plays. Now, this is the exact opposite of what I was saying when I was high on the Colts getting Matt Ryan. I was saying that they're a team that wants someone like Matt Ryan that could just execute. But it became very clear so far this year that that's completely wrong. Completely incorrect. The Colts need a quarterback that can make plays, allow their, I'm going to be flat out with you, below average receiver core to be competent. And when Jonathan Taylor's underperforming, they need someone to make those plays. They do. Matt Ryan can't. Matt Ryan cannot. Matt Ryan already has as many interceptions this year as Carson Wentz did all of last year. Now, did Wentz throw a lot of balls that should have been picked off that weren't? Sure. But still, Matt Ryan has been horrendous this year. The Colts offensive line severely underperforming the high expectations that Colts fans have for that offensive line. Which Everyone has been overrating over the offseason. And even the past couple of years, it's been a little bit overrated. The receiver core is not very good. That defense isn't great. It's not the worst, but it is not great. Now, the Colts still won. So there's a good thing, right? But... They won in very, very sloppy fashion against a Broncos team that isn't very good. If I'm a Colts fan, I'm worried. I'm extremely worried. My next takeaway, the Giants, finally going to say it, finally going to say it. The Giants are a legitimately great, not just good, a great football team. I have to say it. I have to give them their credit. I really do. I love Dabble. I I always have loved that loved Dabble, but I could have never, never expected for him in his first year as a head coach to make a Giants team that let's just say is incomplete roster wise. I would have never expected Dabble to be able to do this with it. His first year as a head coach. That is a ridiculous task, and he's done a amazing job. He should win coach of the year. He should. And there's a lot of players on this team that I just called incomplete that have break broken out, breaking out, whatever you want to say. Saquon having a bounce back year. Thank God. I love seeing him play. He might be the best running back in the league. Daniel Jones, especially in that Packers game, he looked so nice. He looked so good. I mean, when let's not forget when Saquon was hurt and he had to leave it, lead a drive by himself, he did it while playing through an injury. Keep in mind, the Giants weren't even at full strength. Their receivers weren't healthy. Now, their receivers aren't very good, but still, Daniel Jones led a drive against a Packers defense that is supposed to be very good. It didn't look all that good, though. Daniel Jones led a drive against them without 
a lot of his better receivers. Now, say what you want about, oh, Kenny Galladay isn't really that good, so it's not that big of a deal that he was gone. And fine. And Sterling Shepard may not be the flashing name out either. And Kadarius Tony, he's basically always hurt, so they're probably used to him not playing. But still, the point is, without their top three receivers, Jones was still able to lead a big drive when they needed it most without Saquon, without Saquon. And then, of course, with Saquon, he still looked good. Listen, if Jones can continue to play like that, the Giants have their franchise guy. But the thing with Daniel Jones is the inconsistency. It always has been. He will look very good at certain points. But the inability to do it consistently is just what holds him back. And that's the big thing with franchise quarterbacks, right? You don't want someone that will just show flashes. And that's when it becomes really hard. When a quarterback is showing flashes, it's when it becomes difficult. Because then that you can't move on from them because, you know, they've shown they can be very good. But at the same time, you don't want to just stick with them because they're going to continue to look really good one week, look very bad the other. Daniel Jones has been like that, and it sucks. But still, the Giants are a very, very amazing football team. And yes, I'm going as far as to say amazing. Now, again, you look at the roster, it shouldn't be as good as they are, but Dabble finds a way to win with this team. Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator. Mike Kafka. Uh, I mean, the Giants overall just look like a very good team despite the lack of talent that they have. Now, they have their occasional talented player. Of course, Saquon's very good. Andrew Thomas is, is arguably the best offensive lineman in the league right now. Defensively, Dexter Lawrence is having a career year. He's looking like one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. But still, they're, I've seen people argue that they're a top 10 team in the NFL. And even though I disagree, I can't, I can't just ignore that take. And the rest of their schedule is so easy. They're probably going to be a playoff team. Now, let's move on to a team that isn't good at all. Just that simple. The Steelers got absolutely embarrassed. Embarrassed by the Buffalo Bills. Now, the Bills are a good team. But come on. This was atrocious. This was the biggest beatdown in the NFL so far this season. Steelers got absolutely crushed, manhandled. Since the beginning of the game, they were getting absolutely smoked. Their defense was getting ran through by Josh Allen, picked apart by Josh Allen. They could not stop any of the receivers for their life. I mean, Gabriel Davis ran wild on them. They couldn't get to Josh Allen, pass rush-wise. Now, I guess they stopped Devin Singletary, but it wasn't really like they tried to do much with Singletary. The rest of the, the rest of the offense was working so well they had no reason to keep feeding Singletary. So there's nothing to be optimistic about from this game. 
for the Steelers at least. Offensively, the O-line was terrible, horrendous. Kenny Pickett was getting killed. Kenny Pickett himself wasn't playing well, even when the rest of the offense around him was playing well, which that didn't happen much, but still, when in a good situation, Pickett could still do nil, zip, zero. The Steelers receivers couldn't get open against a Bills secondary that, you know, deserves its credit, fine, but they need to be able to get open. Najee Harris, again, looked terrible. I don't don't really know what's going on with him. Matt Canada's offense, his scheme, is terrible, horrendous. They're doing nothing to help pick it. Absolutely nil. I don't even know what to say. Like, if you're a Steelers fan, what is there to be optimistic about with the current team? If you have a single answer, you're wrong. The Steelers looked horrible. I know TJ Watt is out, but still, there is no reason that the Steelers should be getting steamrolled like this. Next takeaway. Do not underestimate the Patriots. In this game against Detroit, I keep hearing about, oh, how Detroit collapsed upon itself. And you know what? There's a little bit of truth to that. But I don't want the people to just ignore the Patriots and how well they played, especially that defense. Jack Jones, a player that I said was going to break out. I will take my victory lap right here. And he has. He's been amazing. Amazing. Him and Jonathan Jones. The Patriots defense, like I said, again, taking my victory lap, knew how to play against Jared Goff. Knew how to beat Jared Goff. So they did. They exposed him. Play after play after play. And then even with the backup quarterback, the Patriots offense still played pretty well. Now, it was against the worst defense in the NFL, but still, give them their credit. The Patriots are a better football team than people act like they are. They're definitely not terrible. They're probably about league average. This was a win that reminded people, hey, if you have a quarterback that isn't very good and you don't really know how to adjust your scheme, the Patriots will expose you. They will. My takeaway right here, I wrote it down just like this. Let's not underestimate the Patriots, and let's also not overestimate Dan Campbell. Now, say what you want about Campbell as a person. He's great. I love watching him, too. He brings a lot of fire to that team for sure, but he did not change the offense or anything. He did not adjust at all, and that's something you need the head coach to do. That loss, a lot of it falls on him. Now, I want to talk about another team in the AFC East, the Miami Dolphins. They took a tough, tough loss against the Jets this week. And, you know, they had their third-string quarterback in, so it's difficult for them to win that game. And I wouldn't really have a problem with them just losing this game, right? 
It's the fact they allowed 40 points to the Jets. That doesn't have to do with your third-string quarterback being in. That's because of your defense. Brees Hall, a rookie running back, very good player. I understand that. Ran wild, wild all over the Miami defense. Listen, we know how good the Dolphins' offense is when two is healthy. We know how good it is with a fully healthy Tyreek Hill, and we know how they can do some incredible things. We've seen it earlier this year. But it doesn't matter how good this offense is if they're going to let up 40 points against the Jets. doesn't matter. The offense is really good. It can lead them to the playoffs. They will not have a lot of success in the playoffs if their defense plays like this. Everyone was overrating this Dolphins run defense. Everyone, including me. These guys on the interior of the D-line need to step it up. Need to. Xavier Howard at corner needs to step it up. The Basically, entire Dolphins defense, especially the run defense, needs to improve. Needs to. Now on to the next takeaway, the Jaguars. This is a team that makes a lot of mistakes, a lot of them. Okay, but going into this week, everyone thought that they would wipe out the Texans because they've looked very good despite these mistakes. In this game specifically, the mistakes caught up with them. They did. The Jaguars had 400 yards, yet they only... They didn't even finish in the double digits in terms of points. Despite having 400 yards. That does not happen. You want to know why that happens? That happens because you're not finishing drives with touchdowns. You're finishing them with turnovers. These turnovers, they're what allows you to get upset like this. A team like the Texans don't just beat a team like the Jaguars. It doesn't just happen. But if you hand them the game... Time after time after time. Even an incompetent team like the Texans will win. And that's what happened. Trevor Lawrence made some mistakes. Completely missed some throws. Completely. Jaguars weren't able to do much running the ball. It was just a terrible week. A lot of drops, too. Terrible week offensively for them. Terrible. Now let's go to a more optimistic note. Geno Smith isn't just a serviceable quarterback. He is really good. Like, really good. He looks better than Russell Wilson, for sure. And he is doing the shit that Russell Wilson used to do. When he was on the team. The rollouts with the perfect touch passes. I mean, he's already like he was already outperforming my expectations, which were very low. But now, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. He's playing remarkable football. Remarkable. He isn't turning the ball over much and he's making the right throws. He's putting the ball in the perfect spot constantly. Just like Russell Wilson used to. And he's been improvising too. Like, 
Listen, the Seahawks, their defense isn't very good at all. And on offense, they don't have too much to work with. But Geno Smith can make up for that. He can. He can win them games. For sure. I'm excited to see him continue to do that. Falcons offense needs a quarterback change. Unlike the Seahawks. We got the opposite situation here. With the Seahawks, we had a quarterback that hasn't been getting enough opportunities. Finally start to sign. Now we're seeing a quarterback that probably had too many opportunities, and now we want to see him get replaced. Marcus Mariota on the Falcons. It just hasn't been working. It was a nice experiment, and it worked on paper. But we see the result. There is not much more to hope for here. We've seen all there is to see. We're probably going to see Desmond Ritter soon. Mariota has done nothing. Nothing. Now. Maybe he would have done something if, you know, Grady Jarrett didn't get that terrible penalty. I, I mean, I don't know how they call that roughing the passer. Maybe Marcus Mariota would have won- led the game-winning drive, and it would have been a completely different story, but that's not what happened. Mariota looked terrible. And I doubt that the Falcons win that game, even if Grady Jarrett doesn't get that penalty. Moving on to the Titans. Their offense, by the way, is bad. That's my takeaway. It is a bad offense, but they are just barely competent enough for you to not notice. They start game strong and then fall apart. That That's why they have so many super close games. That's the reason. They have all these close games because they keep teams in it. They keep ste- they don't run away with leads. That's why Carson Wentz and the Commanders almost won. They keep games too close because they can't run away with leads. Why can't they run away with leads? Because Ryan Tannehill can't do anything without A.J. Brown. Their receiver core is terrible. That offensive line is horrendous. And Derrick Henry, he hasn't quite been King Henry, has he? The Falcons, or sorry, the Titans will continue to win close games because they have a good coach and a solid defense. But, against good teams, only putting up 21 points and then doing nothing For the entire second half, yeah. Yeah. You're not going to win. It barely worked against the Commanders. It sure as hell isn't going to work in the playoffs. If they even make it there. Now, believe it or not, this next takeaway, I consider this positive. And that is that the Bears' offense can look all right sometimes. That is considered a positive takeaway. That's how bad I think the Bears' offense is. Without Montgomery didn't even put up two yards per carry. Yet, they still almost beat the Vikings. A bad defense, but still. They almost beat them. That's cool. You know, Fields didn't look terrible for once. Now, listen, I'm, I'm trying to be positive. Like, I really am, but I, I kind of can't. Like, this team still sucks. 
the Bears are still a bad football team. But at least now we know when Fields feels like playing a solid game of football, they won't need to rely on David Montgomery in order to look like an NFL team. They should have won that game, by the way. It, it sucks that Amir Smith, who I'm not going to try and pronounce the full name, but it sucks that that receiver didn't run out of bounds and he fumbled to lose them the game. That that sucks. Let's talk about what was probably game of the week, or it was definitely up there. The Chargers have a legit running game, and that is absolutely scary. Absolutely scary. The Cleveland Browns and Cleveland or Cleveland Browns and Charger game was very, very good. Came down the wire, but also came down to a terrible decision. That didn't even matter. The Chargers decided to go for it on a fourth down late in the game, despite the fact that they that them not converting it put the Browns right in field goal position, but it didn't even matter because the Browns missed it. But let's get back to the takeaway. Eckler had a phenomenal performance. Phenomenal. I mean, he put up some insane numbers. And it was the first time he did this in a while. 16 attempts. 173 yards and a touchdown. This is the second game he finished with more than 50. Now, he was still a factor in the receiving game, but I really think with Keenan Allen gone, they need Eckler to be that guy. They do. Allen might be back next week, but Eckler being like a legit running back for the team and not just being a receiver out of the backfield makes this defense, sorry, makes this offense way more predictable or way less predictable and way more explosive because when the run game works, that allows stuff to get open down the field. When you have a big arm quarterback like Herbert, those open throws are going to get hit. Next takeaway. This is one that really everyone knows, so I'm sorry for staying the obvious here. But Matt Rule completely deserved to get fired after a performance after a performance like that. I mean, what did they do well in that 49ers game? Name one thing. You can't. They were horrendous. They were terrible. I, I mean, I'm so glad Rule is gone, and now P.J. Walker is going to start, which honestly, to most people, that may seem bad, but maybe it's an upgrade because Baker has been terrible. Now we get to see what this Panthers team looks like with a new quarterback and with a new coach, a coach that's hopefully competent. Now we don't know how good he is, but I cannot imagine it being much worse. Right? Like the Panthers have been really bad. And hey, against the Rams, a Rams team that has been heavily underperforming. We know how it works when interim head coach is coming for that first game. Sometimes they win. So we'll talk about that later. But maybe the Panthers come in and get a win with their first game without rule. At least they got McCaffrey. That's the one thing you could say. At least they have McCaffrey. Now to the Cowboys game against the Rams. The Cowboys defense looked unstoppable. 
arguably the best in the league. Now, I know the Rams' offense isn't good or good compared to what they were last year. But, I mean, they still looked ridiculous, this Cowboys defense. Their secondary played very well. Very well. Micah Parsons looked unstoppable. Downright unstoppable. And Stafford couldn't do anything. Stafford could not do anything during that game. I mean, they they had an interception, a fumble recovery, five sacks, and a touchdown. And that's just the defense. The reason Cooper Rush has looked so well or looked so good and played so well isn't because Cooper Rush is so, such a good quarterback. It's because the defense is so damn good, it doesn't matter if Cooper Rush plays well. He's still going to get a good rep because he's still winning games. Now, let's talk about another defense that's that played, I, I think it played well. The Cardinals defense played much better than I expected. Holding Philly below 400 yards, that's the first time Philly had below 400 yards in a game. That's an achievement, for sure. For sure. And people should not undermine that. Say what you want about the offense being all Kyler Murray. Say what you want about how the end of that game went. And how they kneel or sorry, spike the ball on first and third down. But the defense played well. For sure. I mean, it's difficult to hold that offense, that offense especially, below four hundred yards, and they did it. So that's a great feat. And hey, they only scored twenty. I mean, that game was winnable, and it was all because that defense kept them in it. Now let's move over to that primetime game between the Ravens and Bengals. Zach Taylor is absolutely holding back the Bengals. The play calling is terrible, right? I mean, the Philly special that they did, which I actually think wasn't as bad of a call as people are saying, but still, why do you do that on second down? Doesn't really make sense. Doing the shuffle pass on fourth and goal was stupid. And the main thing, the main problem I have is when you have talent like Jamar Chase, like T. Higgins, like Tyler Boyd, you know, take advantage. Use their full route tree. Look at Jamar Chase's route, uh, what's it called? Route chart from Next Gen Stats. Look at it. It's all like outbreaking routes. They didn't have him go inside at all. So, you know, if I'm a corner, I'm playing against Jamar Chase, you know, I'm just going to prioritize. I'm just going to play with outside route leverage. Because he's not running anything inside. When you have a player that talented, why not do everything he could do? Jamar Chase has the full route tree. He has access to the full route tree. So why are you only having him go outside? Now, if I'm the Ravens, I'm more willing to put one of my corners man-on-man with Jamar Chase not because I'm confident in my corners, but because, hey, I'll give him the slight advantage of giving him outside leverage. Now, it's a matchup I can legitimately trust. Even though Jamar Chase is a better player, I know where Jamar Chase is going. So if I position my defender the right way, which is easy because you know Jamar Chase is running an outbreaking route, so outside leverage... 
Now, all of a sudden, Jamar Chase having a talent advantage doesn't matter all that much because the defender can kind of cheat. As opposed to a corner needing to play with no leverage whatsoever because he has just as much of a chance of going inside as he does going outside. Now you have a ridiculous route runner with ridiculous hands and great contested catching ability going one-on-one with Joe Schmo over here with no leverage because his route tree is unpredictable. Take advantage. Set your defenders up or set your offensive players up for success. You have such a skilled group. Take advantage of it, please, Zach Taylor. He He's terrible. He's a really bad head coach. And it sucks that he made it to the Super Bowl last year because now he's going to keep his job longer than he should. Now, the last takeaway that I want to talk about before we go into a break, Josh Jacobs is the true feature player of the Raiders' offense. We all thought it was going to be maybe Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro is really good. And then there was even a period where we thought that it was going to be number 10, Matt Collins, right? Because he looked so good. But now it's become abundantly clear Josh Jacobs is their guy. Catching me off guard because I thought Josh McDaniels meant running back by committee. Clearly not. Josh Jacobs is that guy for them. He is. He's looked really good. In the past three weeks, he averaged more than five yards of carry every single game in each of the past three games. And this week was his best with 3.7 yards per carry. That is absurd. Did the Raiders still lose this game? Yes. Was it Josh Jacobs' fault at all? No. Not at all. It was because the Raiders have no one to defend Travis Kelsey. If I'm playing against the Raiders next week, now I have to worry about Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, or maybe Darren Waller. I mean, they're on bye. So Darren Waller is hopefully going to be fully healthy next time the Raiders play. Hopefully. That's the hope. So now I have to defend Darren Waller, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Matt Collins, and then they have a good running game now. Yikes. This offense should be really, really scary. Should be. And it's mainly because Josh Mc, or Josh Jacobs is that key part. Anyway, that's all for this segment. When I return, I'm going to predict each game of the upcoming week. See you after this short ad. And we are back. You're listening to the Goal Line Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Seifer, and I'm going to 100% accurately predict every game of the upcoming week. Starting with the Thursday night game that's going to absolutely suck, most likely, between the Commanders and the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Give me the Commanders. All right? Listen. Listen. I know. The Bears didn't look that bad last week. That's what I was talking about earlier. With that said, I do not expect another performance like that from Justin Fields. That pretty much average performance from Justin Fields last week was one of the better ones of his career, and he's yet to do that consistently. 
I have not seen him doing that consistently. So why would I expect him to randomly in prime time start doing that consistently? I, I don't I don't expect it. Commanders are gonna win a sloppy game here. That's how I see it. I know it's at Soldier Field, which is a big advantage for the Bears. And these are two teams that are both pretty bad. But I'm not betting on Thunder to strike twice. What's the saying? I'm not exactly sure what the saying is, but something about thun never bet on Thunder stri- striking twice, lightning striking twice. I don't know. It's something along those lines. Point is, the Bears had a good offensive game last week. That was kind of their first one of the year that looked actually good. So I'm not expecting them to do that again. Commanders, I feel like it was a heartbreaking loss last week. It was. But I feel like that's more of a reason that they want to win this next week. The Bears, you know, they somehow have a nearly 500 record. They win this game. They're at 500. Washington is 1-4. They need to win. They lose a game like this. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And, you know, they have the veteran head coach, right? Rivera's been in the league for much longer than Eberflus. Or been a head coach for longer than Eberflus. So I'm going the commanders here. I am. Although, it's going to be a sloppy win. I could see Chicago here. I absolutely could. But it's just slightly more... It's more of the fact that I know what the commanders are. I don't know what the Bears are. Baltimore Ravens versus the Giants. I know that I was hyping up the Giants earlier. I know. And again, this is another game I can see the Giants winning. This is a Wink Martindale revenge game. But Giants, we don't know if they're going to have their receivers for this game. But even if they do, I don't think they're going to be able to do much in the passing game. I think they're going to do a pretty solid job stopping Lamar from going too wild on him. But I think he's going to have a solid game passing the ball. It's I can see this game being like low scoring. I could. That's kind of how I imagine it playing out. But I have the Ravens winning it because I, I don't really know. I don't really know if the Giants pass defense is good. Like, I still don't. I'm yet to find that out. And this is what I've been saying for the Giants. Their pass defense, I haven't really seen much from them. They haven't played against a team with good receivers yet. And they're still yet to, right? This game is not going to be a game with good receivers. I could see the Giants here. Like, I absolutely could. If Saquon has a night, which he can, the Ravens aren't a great run defense. They are not. The more I think about it, the more I want to go Giants. Like, I'm close to making a mid-podcast adjustment right here. The way I see it, though, it's just like Lamar Jackson is such like an X factor. But I could see the Giants containing him, though. I don't know. This is a tough one. This is one of the toughest ones that I've had to cover on this podcast. Because I, I can 
I could see the Giants shutting down Lamar. I could. But at the same time, I don't know how the Ravens would stop. I have no idea how the Ravens are going to stop Saquon. I think Saquon could have a game. He can. But I I just looked it up right now to see how the Giants have been against the run. They have allowed 131 rushing yards per game, which is near, which is up there. That's a lot. That is definitely a lot. So I think I'm going to stick with my prediction. I'm going Ravens here. I could absolutely see Giants if they could stop Lamar Jackson completely. I would I would go Giants. But I think they're going to do a good job containing Lamar. But he's going to pop a big run. And even if he doesn't, I think J.K. Dobbins, believe it or not, I have him kind of being a hero for this game. I think he's going to get them a consistent four yards. And I again, I, I'm not sure if the Giants' pass defense is anything, really. They haven't played against a good team with good receivers. I guess the Ravens aren't a team with good receivers. But Shad Bateman gets open deep down the field. That's a big play. I think Lamar Jackson's going to pop a big run at some point during the game. And who do they have to stop Mark Andrews? They don't have anyone. Right? I think Mark Andrews could have an absolute field day. Saints against the Bengals. I could see Saints. I could. If the Bengals can't throw the ball well, then Saints probably win it. But I think the Bengals are going to scheme up for Taysom Hill, right? That's what you're preparing for. If you're playing for the if you're playing against the Saints, this upcoming week, you're scheming for Taysom Hill, right? You're scheming up a lot of ways to stop him because he killed, killed the Seahawks last week. I mean, he ran wild, Taysom Hill. So you're scheming up ways to beat him. So I think the second Taysom Hill goes on the field, he's not going to do anything, like the entire game. The Bengals are making that a huge, huge point of emphasis in their game plan, stopping Taysom Hill. And I think without Taysom Hill, the Saints offense isn't very good at all. So are the Bengals going to wipe them out? No, they are not. But I have the Bengals winning it mainly because I don't know how the Saints are going to function on offense. I have a lot of away teams winning, huh? Moving on to the Jaguars versus the Colts. I have the Jaguars bouncing back. The Colts just simply haven't been good. The Jaguars may have had a sloppy game last week, but I still have confidence in them. Doug Peterson is a former Super Bowl winning coach. I think he's going to get them on the right track for this game, especially a divisional game too. Even if it's in Indianapolis, we know that the Jaguars kind of have had the Colts number for a while now. And I don't see that stopping with this game. Trevor Lawrence, I think, is going to have a bounce-back week. The entire Jaguars offense is going to have a bounce-back week here. 
the Colts have been pretty bad for a while. And by for a while, I just mean this season. They just haven't looked good. And even their win against the Chiefs, they didn't look good. So I'm going Jaguars here with a decent amount of confidence. Then another away team, I have Minnesota beating the Dolphins. Now, main reason here is because I don't, it doesn't seem like Tua's going to play. And I don't think Bridgewater's playing either. Skylar Thompson plays the game again. He hasn't looked good. Just that simple. Skylar Thompson has not looked like a good quarterback. Uh, even though he could have a decent game against a bad Vikings defense, I think the Vikings still win it. In fact, Dalvin Cook might have a really good game because that Dolphins run defense looked really bad last week. Maybe Kevin O'Connell tries to take advantage of that in this game. Patriots against the Browns. I have the Patriots winning here. And it's for the same reason as last week. Same reason. There's some quarterbacks that Bill Belichick just knows how to beat. Bill Belichick used to have Jacoby Brissett on his team. Which means he should know the insides and outs of how he works, the offense that he likes to run, and how to beat him. So, Patriots. Just that simple. If Belichick knows how to beat you, you are not beating the Patriots. Really that simple. Unless you're Tom Brady. Listen, there's a big difference between Tom Brady and Jacoby Brissett. Tom Brady is the only quarterback that Belichick like actively knows, and he still can't beat. Only quarterback. Now, for the first home winner of all of these picks that I have, the first home win, I have Green Bay beating the Jets. And the reason here is the Packers had a bad week. It seems like Rodgers is pissed. I don't think he's going to let them lose against the Jets. I do not. Maybe Brees Hall has another nice game that allows them to win. Maybe, but I'm mainly picking the Packers just because I cannot imagine the Packers losing to the Jets the week after losing to the Giants. It just doesn't seem possible. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he seems livid right now. Have you heard the reports that he's, like, pissed at the players thinking they might lose to the Jets? Like, it's insane. Rodgers, I hate the guy, but let's be honest. He's too good of a quarterback to be on a team that loses to the Jets the week after losing to the Jets. If Listen, if they lose to the Jets this week, they're going to have some real problems. Real problems. 49ers at Atlanta. 49ers easily. There's not really much to analyze here. Come on. Like, yeah, the 49ers have Jimmy Garoppolo, who is a bad quarterback, but so is Marcus Mariota. So I don't really know what to say here. It's really just that simple. The 49ers are a better team in nearly every aspect, if not every aspect. Buccaneers at Pittsburgh. Buccaneers win this game with ease, with absolute ease. I I would love to say, oh, Steelers can get an upset. This is not the Steelers team that can easily get an upset every week. Or not easily get an upset. 
But, you know, there used to be a period of time where it was just like, oh, you have Mike Tomlin? That means that your team is going to fight really hard and they may be able to upset a team that's way better. But, like, nah, the, the Steelers don't have that vibe anymore. Cardinals at Seahawks. This game, I see a lot of people are picking the Seahawks for this one. And I'm going with the Cardinals here just because Cliff Kingsbury, as bad of a coach as he is, he prioritizes these divisional games. He knows how to beat his team or the other teams in his division. He knows them. He knows them inside and out. And he has a lot of success against other teams in his division. This doesn't mean he always wins, but for the most part, he does. I don't like Cliff Kingsbury, but I do think he makes sure that they take a win against their divisional opponent. Uh, Panthers at Rams. I talked about this earlier. Rams should win this game. If Matt Rule was still the head coach, I would easily pick them to win this game. But, but, history shows when a team has an interim head coach coming midseason, that team wins their next game. Just because the other team doesn't know what to expect from this interim head coach. They have no film on them. They have no film on the team with the new interim head coach. The Rams have been far from unstoppable. P.J. Walker's coming in. Who, yeah. You know, he may not be a very good quarterback. But he may be better than Baker. So... Despite all that, I'm still going the Rams. I have to. I, I I just don't I don't have quite the balls to go Panthers here. I don't. I wish I did, but I don't. But the Rams are absolutely on upset watch here. Absolutely. Listen, I, I really want to pick Panthers, right? But the Super Bowl champions losing to a team with an interim head coach. Like, it's possible. In fact, I'm saying right now, it's likely. But I, I don't I don't have the balls to say it. I don't. Because the Panthers looked so bad last week. They did. And again, interim head coach, yeah, that, that'll help them this week. But... I mean, Super Bowl champion losing to it. I just can't. I can't see it. I can't. So I'm going Rams here. Even though I think absolutely on upset watch. I If I had more balls, I would say Panthers. Bills at Chiefs. This should be a primetime game. It's honestly a crime that it's not. I'm going with the Chiefs. Only because it's in KC. Only reason. I like both of these defenses a lot. I like both of these offenses a lot. I like both of these coaches a lot. But the main thing here is 
Chiefs have home field advantage, and they have a better running back. Not quite a good running back room, but a better running back room. Also, I think I like Andy Reid more than I like McDermott. Although this is absolutely game of the week. Again, crime, it's not on prime time. Should be a really good game, but you all know that. I'm going Chiefs just because of home field advantage, and I like their running back room more. Cowboys at Eagles. I'm going Eagles. The Cowboys defense is good, for sure, but... Ben DiNucci, I almost called him Ben DiNucci. Wow. Remember Ben DiNucci, guys? Cooper Rush. His streak has to end. Eventually. Eventually it has to end. It's going to end this week. It is. Eagles are going to get in his face with their very good pass rush. And they have the corners to stop that pretty damn good. Cowboys wide receiver room and even though that Cowboys defense is tough I think the Eagles got the people to beat it I do they should be able to move those guys off the line of scrimmage even if they don't beat them through the air I think that they could run the ball a lot on them going Eagles here and it's in Philly then the last game I want to talk about Broncos at Chargers give me the Broncos <laughs> give me the Chargers here No shot I'm taking the Broncos. I don't really see a way to elaborate on this. Russell Wilson has been terrible. The entire Broncos team has been terrible. I mean, the Chargers are... They've been underperforming a bit. They're still way better than the Broncos. Like, way better. I I don't see how you could debate otherwise. So, yeah, that's all for this episode of the Goal Line Podcast. I hope that you enjoyed. I also hope that if you're making spread picks, you're picking the Panthers. Because... The Panthers are, I still think, very likely to win that game. But I just don't have the balls to say that they will. Anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of the Goal Line Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you did enjoy and you want more content, check out No Huddle NFL on TikTok or Instagram or also on Twitter at No Huddle NFL with an underscore at the end, no capitals and no spaces. Thank you all for listening. Hope I see you again next week.